Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the special Dream Emmy-themed edition of the TV Line podcast. I'm Michael Osiello. Over the coming weeks, we'll be sitting down with actors and producers we believe deserve to be recognized at this year's Emmy Awards. Included in that list, of course, is actress, producer, writer, and comedian Julie Klausner, who is the creator and star of Hulu's hilariously acerbic Difficult People. Julie, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure, thanks for being here. Um, so we were talking a little bit about how you are just wrapping season three now. We're, we're talking about season two, but you just are nearing the end of season three. Yes, we have uh, two more weeks of production, and then um, we're going to start editing it together. And your schedule is sort of nuts compared to a typical, I guess, TV schedule. It's not typical by any means. We have one director, Jeffrey Walker, who's an EP on the show and who's the most wonderful, sweet man um, to deal with all of us and <laughs> to kind of keep all these balls in the air because what we do is we cross shoot all 10 episodes at once so we will be shooting you know scenes from like six different episodes on a given day we lay it out according to cast availability locations it's a rubik's cube of a lot of different variables but to do as much as we do in as short of a time um and on the budget that we do it it has sort of become our normal so, yeah, we've been doing that every season. And how long do you have to shoot 10 episodes in? About two and a half months. Okay. And usually, what do you think it would be the typical um, number? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this, too, is that even though the schedule is a little nutty and cross-shooting is nutty and the, the writing of it is, you know, I don't even know if it's as much of, like, we, we don't have a, a typical, we have a, we have a writer's room, but then Scott King, who's my co-writer and my showrunner, um, we'll do a draft and then I'll do, you know, then, then I'll, then I'll do it or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but really like we're the only ones who like have scripts that we actually write. Now let's back up. Um, and, uh, tell me a little bit about how the show even came to be. Was it, uh, did, I know Amy Poehler is a, a producer. Uh, did you go to Amy? Did Amy come to you? How, what was the origin story here? I wrote a spec script for a show that I really wanted to do more than anything. And I'd written specs before as a writer. I think I was looking more toward the what could I sell or what might be a marketable idea more than what I did with Difficult People, which was just sort of sitting down and writing my, you know, dream show. Um, it was based on my life at the time and it was based on a lot of the stories that I had told on my podcast um, which I'd done you know, very consistently once a week for years and I had accumulated a lot of stuff that I known had either happened or that I'd observed and might be funny if it actually did happen um, and I wanted to dramatize them in kind of like a Curb Your Enthusiasm way and Louie was on the air at the time and I really loved the idea of kind of starring in a, a show that you know, wasn't, um, that, that was just like, that had a little bit of darkness to it. And, and I, um, I sat down and wrote this spec in hopes that 
you know, I, I was like, there was a, there was a New York Times article coming out about my podcast. And I thought, what if like, you know, what if this article brings me the attention where someone could say, wow, this is huge. You know, what do you really want to do more than anything? And I could just hand them a script and be like, this, this is what I want to do. Um, of course that never happened, <laughs> but the article was great. I was really nice. I was really appreciative of it. Um, could have been a slightly better angle on the photo, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but at the, at the, you know, the, the, the great thing that came out of it is that I took that Christmas break to, you know, sit down and write this thing. So I wrote this spec, um, and, um, I had a conversation about it with my agents at the time and they said, what do you want to do with it? And I said, I want to make it as a TV show. And they said, well, then you should probably think about getting a producer attached. And so I said, well, we should send it to Amy first. Um, because I knew Amy from doing stuff at the UCB theater and I always loved her and wanted to work with her. And, um, I, she was just the, the first person that occurred to me that would be someone I'd want to, you know, work with on a TV show with. So we sent it to her. She really liked the script. And then she asked me on the phone, you know, same thing, like, what do you want to do with it? And when I said, you know, I wanted to make it into a series, she really was very instrumental in forming the pitch, sort of figuring out what the series would be. She came up with the title, Difficult People. Um, I knew that I wanted Billy to be in it um, and play my, my best friend. She helped me, um, and she helped me develop the show sort of as a kind of more like absolutely fabulous broad city, like show based around our friendship. Um, and we went out to pitch it with Jimmy, stop drinking Michael's water. Go away. <laughs> Sorry. My cat's trying to drink your water. Um, uh, we're in Julie's apartment, by the I way. Know, we are in my, apartment with my cat. Sorry. He is not afraid of you. And he's usually Jimmy. Cats love on, me. On, and it's Jimmy, a problem. Look, look at that. He doesn't care. Jimmy. Um, the, um, the, the, the process of pitching it was um, she brought me and Billy out to or the three of us went around and we kind of demonstrated the you know chemistry that Billy and I have together as friends and you know I'd known him because I'd been writing on Billy on the Street and then once we got a chance to make a pilot we sort of talked further about what the show would be and changed some things and the pilot got made for USA and then USA scripted. I don't know how like businessy you want this to be. Able to tell you oh, the, the businessy, the better. You can edit out anything <laughs> you want, anything you want, except for my cat trying to drink your water. You can't edit that out. I will not touch that. Fit. Um, we made a pilot for USA, um, and then their scripted comedy department um, dissolved. So we had this pilot. They really only gave us enough money to make a pilot presentation. Mm -hmm. But we made a pilot anyway, and then we had this thing that we could take around instead of just the script, um, and Hulu really liked it, and they said, let's, you know, let's try this out, and they gave us a, our first season, and we made that first season, and I think I wrote, um, well, I wrote, I write everything with Scott King, but I wrote all the scripts for the first season in something like six weeks, and that was eight wow. episodes. Yeah, we had, like, no time, but it was also just, well you know, is this going to happen or not? And of course it is because, you know, you're going to let this opportunity go away. And we wrote it in no time at all. And then shot it and, um, had a little bit more time for season two. And, um, yeah, and here we are. But once we got Scott King on board for season one, then, you know, the, the show really kind of became what it is now. Like we were able to figure out 
you know, some of the things that work, some of the things that don't, the, the philosophies that we want to, you know, remain loyal to, um, like just that there's two things that happen, Billy and Julie get in their own way, but at the same time, they're right about the world getting in their way too. So mm -hmm. we wanted to be able to explore story in both of those areas. Um, Scott, uh, and I figured out Billy's world because, you know, when I written that spec, because it was based on my life, all the stuff from my world was very clear. My mother, um, my, my boyfriend at the time, my home life, like it just sort of was all thought out. Billy's life had to be a little more fleshed out. And with Scott's help, we kind of gave him this work family at the cafe and sort of created these characters at the cafe that all are kind of difficult, but... Um, I love... Oh yeah, thanks. And, and, and we, we came up with the character of Matthew specifically for Cole, um, just like I'd written Arthur specifically for James Urbaniak. And so mm -hmm. it was... Um, it was very, uh, and, and Fred's, Fred Armisen, who plays Billy's brother, was also an element that we, that we figured out together. So once Scott came on board, it was, we really started thinking more, more globally as well as like episode to episode, you know, what's the formula? Like how, how much do we need the stories to dovetail or come back? Or, um, you know, do we have enough of Billy? Cause there's always like a Billy story, a Julie story, a Billy and Julie story, and then there's usually like a Marilyn runner and or an Arthur runner. So we, you know, have to figure that out episode to episode, balance wise, you know, try things out, what works, what doesn't. And, um, and yeah, I think we like, by season two, I think we, we, we figured it out. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I liked <laughs> season two, one, but I really loved season two. I Thanks. felt like the show really gelled. Um, it was just firing on all cylinders. Thank and you. Um, the... The show, uh, you take aim. You have so many targets, and it, it's one of the great pleasures of the show because you are fearless in in that sense. Um, and I have to right out up front ask, what is the deal with Kevin Spacey? Yeah, that's something between Ke that's, you know that's something to ask Kevin Spacey because I think Kevin. Sometimes I wonder, does Kevin Spacey know what the deal is with Kevin Spacey? Because he's a listen. He's a great actor. Never met him. Don't know what he's like as a human being. Very curious about it, clearly. And um, I'm really excited he's hosting the Tony Awards, and I hope there's a Bobby Darren uh, medley. That's I, I just I just like sitting back and watching what he does. I think he's fascinating. Has Kevin Space does Kevin Spacey know this show exists? I don't know. I haven't heard from him. You know, he could call him in the book. If you ran into him at a party, what would that be like? I would just giggle. I would be so... First of all, like, I, I know that he was at the Emmys a couple of years ago, and Billy was there, and he texted me. He's like, he's like, Kevin Spacey's here with a cane. He has a cane. <laughs> he's on the dance floor, and he is cutting a rug. And I was like, oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. So we did uh, a story on TV Line um, just highlighting some of the, the your biggest targets of season two, um, and it was really fun going through that. Uh, uh, and I'm curious, do you, are you taking a stand with when you have a target, or, or is it uh, more of um, just going for a laugh, or is it a combination of both? I think it's both. I mean, I, I am... I, look, this is a show that has an agenda. It has a series of agendas. You know, one of them is... A, a, a strident feminist agenda. Um, one is 
in the in the world of like I don't want to depict gay men as supplementary or you know anything less than sexual fully dimensional human beings that have goals exclusive of you know I really want my best friend to have a makeover so she can get a boyfriend um, and I want to show different variations of people that are usually not represented on television whether it's a trans character that is neither um, magical nor nor martyred nor murdered um, but just kind of an asshole like everybody else um, or a boyfriend character that is as you know sweet and understanding and patient as women have been to people like characters that you know Kevin James has played over the years and sitcoms that I've grown up with Mm -hmm. um so so yes our jokes on the show have to have a point of view um or you know they they also are just like they can be silly like listen nothing makes me laugh more than Cole falling off of a you know bar stool Mm -hmm. on the show and like crashing to the ground like that's you know just that there's no agenda that's (laughs) extremely fun to watch but um but yeah when we take target when we when we take aim, I think that we're there's there's always going to be a, a truth there, and then the question is, you know, what's my point of view on it, and then what would the character's point of view on it be? Um, and generally, you know, my character on the show is a little dumb, and she is very uh, reluctant to take any responsibility for anything. So knowing that gives me a little bit more elasticity in getting her to, you know, just fire targets senselessly um or fire at target senselessly on the show but at the same time you know julia's a writer like has stuff to say that i can use these characters to comment on um and that's that's very fun and exciting too have you heard from anyone that you uh you know sort of lashed out at yeah i mean mostly and and obviously this is you know i don't want to jinx it but like people are generally flattered like when they're when they're referenced um, if only because sometimes our references are so obscure that people are like, oh my god, <laughs> like no, I I can be roasted. Like this is this is heaven. It's not, you know, just John Travolta. Like so that's always um, that's kind of nice. But um, as far as like feedback in terms of like, well, you certainly won't. There's no place for you here at NBC. Like there's nothing that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Although maybe the punishment is just in not calling. Yeah. So maybe there maybe there are consequences um, that I that I haven't yet um, you know reaped the consequences of. But at the same time, it's like I, I, nobody. I still don't think, and no one knows who I am to begin with. So it's like if they know who I am and they're like pissed off, at least they know who I really am. Yeah. And so and that, and, and as by way of introduction, there's probably something to that, which is like, well, you know what? At least you know that I'm honest so that when I do like something, you know that I really do like it. Um, or just that I'm not looking to please everybody. And, you know, I think that there's something nice about the show that does let people be cranky and negative. I think there was a, a big boom of like positivity and manifesting like, you know, harmony that doesn't necessarily jive with my favorite kinds of comedy. Um, you know, and I think that certainly between the political climate having changed and, um, there being a, a, a broader um, a, a broader range of options that people can find and watch and enjoy. I, I think we have a lot more freedom with that. You also um, 
you know, slip in commentary about television itself. A lot of references to Netflix. Um, and there were, and in season two, there was a reference to a show called Horse, uh, which uh, hilarious, which I feel like was uh, transparent. Um, uh, the show, I feel like it was like sort of like the show Transparent, even though that's not on Netflix. But just uh, the commentary being that there are these comedies uh, on TV that are actually dramas that you have to compete with. Um, and I'm curious, what, what do you think about that? Like a show like Transparent, the, sort of the more serious dramas, and then you have Difficult People, which is a flat-out comedy. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think there should be a separate, separate categories for something like that? I'm in favor of anything that will get me an award, first of all. <laughs> I'm going to put that up there. Second of all, I, I saw the first season of Transparent. I watched it in a week, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, I, I like Orange is the New Black, too. I think Genji's brilliant. Um, Horse was like a combination of a bunch of different things, too. We poked fun at, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of stuff on Showtime, too, at the time where it was, like, just a woman on the poster, and you're like, what is she, like, the Nurse Jackie, which is like, well, she's a drug addict, but it's just so that she can help people, or just, there's a there's a specific premise that we'd seen in more than one place, so it wasn't just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're gonna go after this specific thing, it was kind of more commenting on the, the trend, and hopefully poking more fun at the people that give money to productions and award them more than the actual creators because, you know, I'm friends with Jill Soloway and Genji Cohan and, like, I have, you know, nothing but love for, like, fellow female creators. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I, I think that our characters on the show are way more cynical and nasty, um, and that's, that's kind of fun to be able to, to write for people like that. And is Hulu ever like, you know what, maybe a few less Netflix references? Here. They love it. They love it. <laughs> that, Hulu's been amazing. I can't, and again, this is my first TV show, so I don't know what to compare it to except for the fact that I think that we're so lucky in having a network that is, they never give us notes about like, you know, don't don't pick on this per Like, it, it's, first of all, we get very few notes to begin with, and then the notes that we do get are either like logistical, like... You know, when Julie says this, we need to make sure that she, you know, she didn't meet Billy before college. Like, just things that are, like, logically, oh, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, or else they are, um, you know, suggestions. But they're very good at trusting us and trusting Amy. Like, the, and, and Polar gives the majority of the notes. Like, she's very instrumental throughout every step of the... So she's hands-on. She's just not like a figurehead. So hands-on. Hands-on in terms of casting, in terms of speaking through, you know, the scripts. The episodes go through, you know, as people know, like, you know, so many different steps, whether it's like we, we brainstorm on story areas, and then if Amy and everybody's happy with those, then we write an outline, and then Amy weighs in on the outline. And then after the outline, we send it to Hulu, and then we go from outline to script, and then there's different drafts of every script, and she weighs in on absolutely all of them, um, comes to set, weighs in on every cut once we're in edit, um, weighs in on, like, the ad-related stuff once we're in promotion. Wow. So, yeah, she's incredibly hands-on. She's a very, very creative producer. By no means is she someone that's like, yeah, I have my name on it, but I'm on to the next thing. She's... She's very invested in, in difficult people being the show that it should be and can be, and um, and we're lucky to have her involvement because I've never gotten a note from Amy Poehler that I I I wasn't 
happy to have gotten. You know, it's not like we take every single one of her notes, but they always lead to a conversation. They're always, you know, a challenge to think about an area that could improve upon it or, or you know, sort of inspire us to revisit it. Um, she's, um, she's really smart. She's really smart and sweet and funny and pretty, so fuck her. <laughs> the show is packed with celebrity cameos. It would not be unusual for Amy Poehler to show up in a scene, either playing mm-hmm. herself or someone else, yet that mm-hmm. has not happened yet. No, Why? no, it hasn't happened yet. What? It hasn't, well, that's all I'll say. It hasn't happened yet. Season three? Season three's got more things in it than, I mean, I'm so excited about season three. And that's I love high- season two, and I know that this is a podcast about season two. And I we can that, talk a little you know, bit about season three. No, it's gonna blow your mind and season two I was so proud of and it's like every season is like a different child that I'm just like I can't believe they're going to college and so yeah yeah we have we have great celebrity cameos we have great combination I think of people playing themselves and playing characters and we also are I'm just delighted that we have a show in which we can use people that you're not used to seeing on every other show you know I think that like Comedy's clicky. I, I I feel like I've got a little click to some extent, but I also identify as an outsider in a lot of ways. So, you know, I feel very lucky that I'm able to kind of curate people and have them show up in roles that are surprising. Um, and yeah, and, and we definitely had our share of that in season two. And Nathan Lane was an amazing sport to be able to consent to um, being being killed. So there's no Nathan Lane in the in the world of season three. He is, but it, passed on. But it sounds like there's an Amy Poehler. I'm just well, going to say... You don't, we, yeah, can't, I can't I'm, say anything for sure. I'm just going to say, body language, if you could see it now, <laughs> this is a podcast, but trust me, I think there's going to be an Amy, Amy Poehler sighting. Um, I love the Julie Arthur relationship in this show. Everybody is so dysfunctional, and and the relationships in, in so many ways are not the healthiest. That is a healthy relationship. One of the healthier relationships on television. Um, talk to me about the decision to make that so normal and, you know, in, and, and healthy versus the craziness that ensues elsewhere. That's so interesting that you think it's healthy because I know a lot of people who, you know, sort of think of him as this perpetually bullied, you know, shit-eating cuck. Um, and I love Arthur, and I love our relationship on the show because... It is maybe it's not healthy, but it's functional. I yeah. think I think both of us get what we need out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're always sure to remind the audience that we have good sex, that we have a, a sex life that I think accounts for a lot. Whenever people are like, "Why are they still together? She's so mean to him." It's like they have good sex, and that's sometimes enough. Um, a lot of times, it's enough. But at the same time, you know, my goals with Arthur were to, um, you know, I think he's incredibly likable. Um, I think that the, the straight male characters on the show tend to be like the sweetest guys in the world and their female partners, whether it's me or Gabourey's character are so mean to them and yet they love it. Um, I'm sure there's like some, some fantasy going on there. Um, definitely a good antidote to Handmaid's Tale. If you ever want to watch our show as a chaser, Oh my God. Extremely refreshing. Um, yeah, like a nice little iced tea after some, some, like some bubbling poison. That's hilarious. Um, Yep. And I love Handmaid's Tale, but I was watching it thinking like, Oh my God, like people really need me to shout at Arthur for another season in order for this to be like, it's so dark. Um, 
But um, but the other thing about me and Arthur on the show is that it's not the primary relationship. It's not he's not the love of my life. Billy is um, on the show, and Billy is my you know Billy's the partner I have on the show where he's formidable, and I we, I box my weight. And there then it is a show about friendship and romantic partners are are there and they're important part of you know the main characters lives but it is um and and again i'll go back to the feminist agenda of it it's just what men have been able to do for years which is to sort of say like well i'm the lead and this is my partner but she's not you know my my conflicts with her are not going to be the center of the show nor is she going to be the most like you know what what's what's going on with Arthur in this episode? Like, we know what's going on with Arthur in this episode. Um, is Arthur going to forgive Julie? Of course he's going to forgive Julie because he does have this unconditional love for her and he has his own picadillos and he's, you know, a fun and wonderful sort of quirky character to watch in his own right. But, um, but, but he is this sort of perpetually understanding character that's supportive and enables the lead to go off on these stupid adventures and harm herself over and over again and never really learn. Um, so that, you know, combined with just something that I wanted to do based on my own real life at the time I had, a, I had a boyfriend who he was based on. I mean, he wasn't nearly as like, um, you know, selfless or, <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, completely simple. He had his own thing, obviously, but I just, Thought it'd be a fun sitcom trope to show somebody in that in that role with a female lead. Mm-hmm. But, but by having the Julie Arthur relationship, it robs us of seeing her in the dating scene, yes. which which would be a whole show in and of itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you were conceiving the show, was that an issue for you? Were you thinking of all of the storyline possibilities you were throwing out the window? Yeah, absolutely, I was. I mean, I knew that Billy would be single. You know, in season three, he gets a, his first boyfriend. Um, but we had some dating stories available to us by way of Billy, and that was also important for me to show a gay man dating and not have it be, um, you know, stereotypical, that we could do things that people hadn't seen before and also have the gay man be the lead in that sort of romantic way. Um, and, but yeah, it absolutely was a decision that I made that had to do with my position in life, but also I think it informed my character being cranky in a specific way in a is that all there is like yeah I have a boyfriend but I'm still not happy so it it, you know I I think that there's a certain quality to my character that even if she did have what she wants will she ever be happy Mm -hmm. um and there was a certain domesticity to it that I think informed her worldview and also it was nice to have her you know, the contrast between Billy being single, having this, like, shitty little apartment we don't usually see a lot, um, and and my sort of coming from this, like, home life, and you do hang out in my apartment a lot, and Arthur cooks, and I think that that was um, an important contrast uh, to show how where our characters are coming from. So, quick season three detour. You mentioned mm-hmm. the love interest, John Cho. Yes. Um, so, this is more than just a one-episode thing. This is a, a serious boyfriend yes, for... Yes, yes. For Billy. Yes. Um, can you tease a little bit about how that affects sort of this the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get to see Billy embark upon these rites of passage that he's never experienced before because John Cho plays his first, you know, real serious boyfriend adult relationship. And so we get to watch Billy struggle with the 
you know, the first sleepover and the going to a work event with your partner and um, a lot of other stuff that's really uncomfortable and awkward. And Billy and Julie are characters who, you know, fundamentally don't like anybody in the world except for each other. And whenever you're introducing somebody new to that kind of, you know, exclusive club of two, there's going to be some tension around it. But as in the case of Arthur, there's a way to have a romantic relationship and have it exist harmoniously with the love of your life, which in this case is the the best friendship that's the, the heart of the show. Yeah. So I was sure to not write any competition between me and John Cho's character. You know, I think that that's like kind of a nasty stereotype that hurts gay people in the big picture of like just girls being catty about like, oh, now he has a boyfriend and I'm not necessary. Like, I don't think that's a healthy relationship to, to show. Um, certainly not one in which you want to still love these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, if you really do love someone, and in the case of my, my best friend, Nate, who I've known since college, and I draw a lot of personal experiences that I have had with Nate for my relationship with Billy on the show, you know, when he met his now husband, it was just like, I, I was just thrilled for him. There was absolutely no feeling of, oh, now I'm going to be left out, or who is this guy really? It's like, you love someone, they're your family, and you really want them to be happy. And I just, I know that that sounds maybe corny or more sentimental than you'd think from, you know, someone who writes this show about sort of cranky, nasty things, yeah. but, you know, the love between a woman and her gay best friend is something I feel is very sacred. <laughs> And I, I really wanted to make sure that that uh, came through. Is the show over when Jill, uh, Julie and Billy find professional success? Of course not, because there's no such thing as permanent professional success. And also, you know, as I mentioned with the Arthur thing, it's like every every time you get what you think you want, there's always going to be... If, if you're not a happy person or you insist on blaming the world around you for things that you're not happy about, um, then you'll you'll never you'll never be satisfied. So I think that you know, part of the part of the, one of the wonderful things about television is you have these characters you know and love and they don't really change the circumstances around them may, but people like television because they always reset to the way they were. Even if they learn something over the course of the episode. By the beginning of the next one, they're, you know, the same the same characters you've grown to know and love. So whether or not that means Billy and Julie are, you know, have a, like a, a multi-picture deal and they're living in Bel Air. I think that they're always going to be um, miserable until they change who they are fundamentally, which nobody wants to see. Um, season two episode, uh, Julie and Billy go to New Jersey. Yes. Um, and as someone who grew up in New Jersey, <laughs> as someone who has family and friends in New Jersey, I just want to say that caricatures are spot on. <laughs> they were They were broad. <laughs> They were offensive. They were completely accurate. <laughs> um, that was my favorite episode of season it's two. It's my favorite too. Thank you. Italian Pinata and Patches are my two favorite episodes from season two. And the talk to me about what is your relationship with New Jersey like? What fueled that? Well, I will also say that's the first script that I wrote. You know, we got together. We had a writer's room for a couple weeks where we just, you know, brainstormed. Tom Sharpling was in the room. He's from New Jersey. Um... And, uh, and that was just sort of in, that was, that, that kind of came up as like a really fun idea that we got so excited about that that was just the first script that came out and it came out so easily. And I remember we were all talking about 
it was the New York, New York thing where the idea that like Italian people think it's a Frank Sinatra song, yeah. but gay people think it's Eliza Minnelli's or no, it's Eliza Minnelli's. So that was when we discovered that that would be how we would be revealed as Billy not being, you know, recently out and me not really being Italian. It was brilliant. It was so fun. Thank you. It was like one of these moments where oh you just God. get so excited and, and then once we knew that there'd be like, you know, costumes, it was like, this is actually really fun. This isn't just like, satisfying and hard work paying off and really smart and this is fun like we're just having you know this is like we get to put on wigs and be goofy and it was just it it was so easy and I got to get my friends to do it Jamie Denbo and Jessica Chaffin who play Rana and Beverly they have like the world's funniest podcast and that was so great Um, but I think it was also you know we we as always, we try to come from a place of truth that's reasonably grounded before we go into crazy town and I start wearing wigs on top of wigs, <laughs> which is the um, the conflict of, you know, we started out with that episode, which is Julie doesn't have any female friends, and Billy is feeling like every year on coming out day, he's more invisible as a gay man who is aging and as a gay man who is not, you know, fresh to the scene in the way that there is a thing where men who are who recently came out even if they're in their 40s or 50s like there's a certain um there's a certain appeal to those guys because they're they're new and so we wanted to comment on that and play on that so him being able to live that double life and me being able to live my life my my lie as an Italian girl because I suddenly have these female friends um, are both very silly situations, but they definitely came from a place of, you know, grounded, realistic truth, I think. And Billy, Billy got to make out with Mark Consuelos. I know, and not all of us have had that opportunity, just that, <laughs> that, that Minx Kelly Ripa. Um, but yeah, that was, that was very How did that casting. come about? It was just casting. We were like, who's going to play this hot dude? And we're just like, how about Mark Consuelos? And he said yes, and we were delighted. <laughs> he was so funny. He was so into it. Yeah. He's just the best. I mean... Who's, who's, he was, yeah, he was great. And he kept showing me pictures of, he was taking pictures of me and my wig. He's like, I'm going to send this to my wife because her hair looked like that in the 80s. I'm mm-hmm. like, I've seen soap operas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that I feel like is your Emmy episode. Thank if there's you. a such I, thing. Yeah. I'm very proud of it. I, I really, that was one where I was happy from like top to yeah. bottom. Like there was, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, this is exactly, this is not only exactly how I pictured it, but it's like. It's, it's even better. The purse is dropping off the truck at the end. Thank you. Brilliant last Thank shot. Thank you. That's the, the whole thing. Thank you. Yep. Um, so before we go, because we're wrapping up here, you know, TV line, we're all about scoop. And since I, I can't get you to confirm that Amy Poehler is going to be a guest <laughs> star, can you throw me uh, something that you can confirm? Well, Stockard Channing is going to play um, Andrea Martin's uh, sister. I already saw that. And Bonnie. That's already out there. Okay. Well, John Turturro is going to be in it too. Okay. He's going to play um, Marilyn's former lover, right. um, who is a uh, sort of still living like his hippie, freewheeling lifestyle, very contrasted to Andrea's. Okay. Um, who else can I tell you is appearing on the show? We have amazing guest stars. I will tell you that they are very surprising and very exciting. Um, scoop. There's a lot more singing and dancing than you would expect on can the show. You, can you tell me the thing that you told me when I first walked in? What's that? Oh, about LA? We do, or we are shooting... Um, That's pretty big. We have uh, two... We're, I will put it this way. We are shooting two days in LA next week. 
So, however that... Billy and Julie in L.A. However that... I've not, I neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that Billy and Julie will be in L.A., nor that that will be a story, but I will say that we are going to... The production will be shooting for two days in Los Angeles, so that will right. uh, amount to um, possibly something very exciting. Awesome. I'll take it. That's a big scoop. Great. Thank you. And there are some, some exciting wigs, too, that you'll be able to see. And some homages to movies that... God, we have a lot of... I mean, we're a very pop culture literate show, so we have homages in this season to Adaptation, Being John Malkovich, uh, Fargo. We have some reference to... um, Oh, God, we did this big Lebowski thing yesterday that's pretty amazing that people are going to be excited about. A lot of Sondheim-like references. References to live musicals. Um... We have a lot of, um, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff that's like not appealing to everybody, but the people who it appeals to are going to like shit their pants. They're going to yeah. be so happy. I, I promise. And you're not lighting up on, lightening up on Kevin Spacey at all, are you? Kevin Spacey is as essential of a part in difficult people as Billy and Julie. I feel like he is, you know, I like that New York City was like the fifth girl. Yes. Yeah, I think Kevin Spacey is the number one girl on our show. It would be foolish not to acknowledge his, his importance to the universe, the difficult diverse. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.